Welcome to The Man Pad, the podcast that brings you knowledge and information on business, content creation and personal growth from the perspectives of growing creators and business owners, as well as focusing on your mental health along the way. Alongside the podcast, I stream every Wednesday and Friday from 8pm over on Twitch, where you can drop in and chat to me live, ask questions and hang out with other like-minded people within our community. I do also stream guest episodes over there too, which is what I'm doing now. So come over, check it out. It'll be at twitch.tv forward slash mentee underscore H21. Link will be in the description. Boom. There we go. So Dave, we've been speaking about this on and off for the last week. To be fair, I think we've had more discussions about self-doubt over the period of the last few months that I can bear to count. So I think we should, uh, we should get into it. So firstly... You have, you have this struggle as well, right? Not just me. Okay. Um, so my variation of self-doubt is, um, so most people I think have self-doubt because one of the big reasons we're actually brought up not to brag. We're bro- brought up not to boast, not to show off. So as a result, we spend our entire lives practicing telling ourselves what we're bad at. Because if we tell ourselves, or especially if we tell other people what we're good at and actually practice being proud of ourselves then we're seen as being well you know we're told that we're going to be seen as being big-headed and self-love nowadays and self-respect and self-care these things are actually becoming a little bit more commonplace and i which is great because i think there's a there's a whole expression, especially with men historically, where if you're like, oh, he loves himself, he does, you know, a man who took pride in his, in his appearance was, you know, seen as being egotistical or seen as kind of being vain. And there's a very big difference between he loves himself, he does, and actually he loves himself, he looks after himself. So when we're told not to brag, not to show off, we basically default into self-deprecation instead. Now, I did that for absolutely forever. And... Um, And I think I kind of, one of my mentors told me about five or six years ago that you just have to decide that you're an authority, especially if you're going to be out here doing things, you know, putting content out into the world. And um, I actually made that decision then and sort of ran with it because he was like, okay, if you're, if you don't think you're an authority, no one else is ever going to tell you you're an authority, but you're waiting for that permission from the world. It comes down to kind of self-esteem. We're always waiting for someone else's approval. So like, you know, we're always looking for like our parents or our coaches or our mentors or our girlfriends or our boyfriends or whoever it might be. We're looking for their approval, but none of that is self-esteem. It's just esteem. So until we decide in ourselves that we're actually going to go for it and do things, and we're actually going to decide ourselves that we're no authority. No one else is hardly ever going to tell us that we are. And even if they do, we'll brush it off. It's like we're very good at brushing off compliments, but collecting insults. How mine is different from that, um, which I've noticed now, because I actually, I would say when I when I kind of realized that self-esteem starts with self, I almost got rid of mine, like almost, because I started practicing telling myself what I'm good at. And at first it was like, yeah, I think I'm good at this. I think I'm a good dad. You know, I think I'm all right at that. But the more I kind of lent into it, the more feedback I get from it. But I stopped looking for everyone else's approval and started looking for my own. What I realized, and I gave myself my own the majority of the time. And what I realized recently is with bipolar disorder, I am honestly like two different people, depending on where I am in that scale. Well, three, there's normal me that exists in the middle. And then there's symptomatic me and symptomatic me is two different versions. There's bipolar manic me and there's bipolar depressed me. Bipolar manic me goes the exact opposite direction in that he is probably very egotistical. I have to calm him down a hell of a lot. Um, because when I, when I'm there, I think I'm Superman. I think I can do, I literally, 
the two, you know, how someone who's got self-doubt would be where I am more when I'm bipolar depressed, which is, okay, what's the point? What have I got? No, why would anyone listen to me? All of that stuff. Now, when I'm manic, you can literally flip all of those things around. And it's almost like, you know, a person, you know, and I almost become almost like a narcissist who thinks that the, if, no, if people don't like me, then the problems with absolutely everybody else. I'm like, at that point, I'm like, why wouldn't people listen to me? Why aren't I famous yet? Why? Like, I was like, I'm the freaking best mindset coach in the whole damn world. And I have to really rein that in. So I don't come across as that kind of, I suppose, that cocky individual that my mum didn't want me to be. And, I mean, um, I wouldn't, dis I wouldn't necessarily disagree. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, I'm just going to put that out there, like. So yeah, it's 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 hard because, um, like as I say, I, I exist within the middle a lot of the time nowadays. But growing up, I existed at the, the bottom end of that. So I spent a lot of time practicing the self-deprecation, being good at beating myself up. My number one rule of mindset is we get good at the things we do often. That includes beating yourself up and putting yourself down. If you're if you've put yourself down for 20, 30, 40 years of your life, you're going to be and you're going to be world class at it. Yeah, I, I do agree. And like, there's a, a few points I want to touch on there as well. Like, because I think self-doubt's bad enough as it is, like on a normal day-to-day -day basis. And I've had that when I've been working a normal job. There's always things that I find get you out of it. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, managers praising you because I never got that until the day I was leaving, uh, <laughs> which is ironic. <laughs> but there was always kind of with being in a team in an office, it was always, if you were ever feeling at that point, there was always people that could cross reference your work, double check, be like, literally you're doing perfectly fine. Do you know I mean, there was, there was that kind of community kind of feel in a work environment. Yeah. Whereas I feel, especially, I mean, as a content creator, creator, I think it kind of doubles down because you don't have, or, or a lot of people don't have that community kind of feel to it. Um, yeah. And then I, th I feel like there's an extra layer on top of that, which is content creators like you, me, that there's a few people that we know that are not just content creating, but we're doing it to actually help people. So I feel that's like mm -hmm. an extra layer of pressure. So yeah, like when you're putting content out, how do you manage... How do you manage that when you're having a bit of like an off day? Okay. Uh, I suppose two things come into that really. The first one is that a few years back, I was listening to a podcast called the, I think it was called Build Your Tribe, the Shalene Johnson show. And she talked on that about um, schedule time to, um, to implement things. And back then I was very much the kind of person that would write the post, but keep it to himself or I'd get the idea and keep it to myself because I'd want to perfect it. I'd want it to be brilliant and, and perfect before it actually went out to anybody. Um, and I realized that I was sat on so many things and, I'd, and as a result of waiting for that perfection, there was just, there was just tons and tons of ideas in my head that just weren't getting out into the world. Now, this is off the back of that. I decided to actually, I actually decided to just start implementing things. And I started going into, if I've learned something, even if I'd learned something from another mentor or a book, um, I don't know if you've ever watched Grey's Anatomy, but in Grey's Anatomy, and I've checked with real doctors that this actually is the case, but they talk about to learn a procedure correctly. You learn it, um, you observe it, then you perform it, then you teach it. 
And I actually think the same is true with anything we want to do in life. It's like if we learn, if we observe it, if we see someone else do it, then we and we learn and perform it ourselves. But then actually only when we then teach and pass on that information to other people, do we then sort of fully internalize that. And um, I know you've watched a lot or listened to a lot of Joe Rogan. You know how he talks about um, how with stand up comedy the um you need the audience it's not like when you're writing a song you can sit in your room and it can be completely finished and then you release it to the world and they're all like wow with stand-up comedy you need the audience you need the feedback you need to see how that piece lands and assess from that in order to do in order to actually kind of fit to be fully finished you know so i actually go into it now believing that i'm like okay this idea i'll go i will talk an idea I've done it on people's podcasts before where I've written an analogy on the fly. Hopefully it might, it might happen today. You never know if you're asking me a question that I was like, I'll tell you if it does. I always tell people what it does. Cause I like, I'm, I'm like, look, this might be a little bit half baked when it comes out, but you, you write it and you come up with it and then that you see how it lands with the person because it's all about communication. Absolutely. Everything about content creation is communication and you need to learn what your audience responds to isn't always exactly how how they want to hear it isn't always exactly how you want to say it. So once I realized that, and I was like, okay, those things can go out now. Like I'd just put them out and I'd wait for the feedback and I'd see how that was. And I'd learn that. And I'd say, as you kind of pointed out to me, when you listened to my seminar on Friday, you said, I've got certain things that I come back to. And those things again, have been over, they've been, they've been refined over time. It's, it's easier or so much easier when you're in a room with people and you get to talk the ideas out because you get to see people's response to it immediately. It's been harder. It's harder online because um, you have to assume certain amounts of things, as you well know, when you ask people, do you like this t-shirt design? And it could be the most terrible t-shirt design in the world and not many people will actually say no. Some yep. people will, some people will say <laughs> yes, even if it is dreadful. So that was point number one. Point number two, especially with the bad day thing is, um, and this, I think this, this made things a lot easier for me, but also I'm not necessarily sure this is the right way for everyone to go is about two years ago, I decided that the effort of keeping the mask on was one of the things that was, was one of the things that was exhausting me. So the effort of people not finding out that, because I suppose as mindset by Dave, there's almost, almost an expectation that I've got the world's greatest mindset. You know, I've got, I've got everything worked out hundred percent of the time and that's not true. I'm human. And I would, I lived in fear of that for a little while because ultimately it was, it was, it's always been about more about, it's always been more about kind of helping people than the financial thing, but it is my, it is my job as well. So I have to, I had to keep the bills being paid I have to keep a certain amount of income coming in and so on and so forth so I was really fearful as a lot of people are that if they reveal their um that their hardships or they reveal the sides that they struggle with that they'd lose their job I don't know obviously when you're self-employed you can't exactly lose your job but you can lose your customers you can and to be fair there are people out there that there are, that don't want to work with me because I still struggle with my bipolar disorder or that I still have bad days but I decided about two years ago to, to just, you know what, share the bad days and say, say, here's what, I'm not feeling this right now. In fact, I actually did it today on Twitter um, because, I mean, as, as I said to you just before, when no one could hear us at the beginning, it's like got some personal family stuff going on at the minute. And um, there's um, my, my condition, the bipolar disorder would like to tell me that the, how I was feeling in response to this stuff yesterday and how I was still feeling this morning, that is forever. 
whereas my experience now teaches me that it will pass so so i will share those days and i will say to people look here is where i am right now but where i am right now isn't per isn't permanent um there was a there was a day that i woke up with a really bad bipolar low about a month and a half ago and i made a i made a video about having a bipolar low um, and put it on YouTube, and it's and it was it's one of the it's one of the best videos I've done because it's just there, it's raw, it's honest. So that's the whole thing. Is like I don't, and I also is that you can look at my. It's been a bit of a struggle for the last few days. Um, there was quite busy towards the end of the week, and then I had this like you know as I said this sort of family situation come up yesterday. You're like if you look at my my Instagram, it's not consistent over the last few days. I don't feel like if I can't live to the Instagram's consistency, like I don't have a, I will post exactly this amount of times. I have three things that I do that for. I have a video that goes up on a Sunday, a video that goes up on a Thursday, and my podcast that goes up on a Wednesday. Um, but other than that, I let the rest of it be liquid. I let the rest of it move with me. So I don't kind of put the pressure on myself that I have to be there ready, available, have something positive to say or anything like that. I don't put any of that pressure on myself to be that person 100% of the time because it's just not realistic. Yeah, quite. <clears throat> that is that is kind of true. Um, I mean, that's something I'm kind of struggling with is is consistency. Like, that's probably one of the, the one things um, that, you know, when you know how to fix something, but you still struggle <laughs> to do it, it, it's yes. kind of like do you know what i mean it's kind of like one of them um but yeah i mean like what you said about not having that pressure on yourself because at the end of the day you are human and you know we can only we can't always share all the good parts we can't always be you know 100 percent positive all the time um but i mean is it have you found do you find it easier to then have so say like you said you had your youtube you had your podcast because uh, they're done in advance right so you, you if you, you do them in van in advance but because you've got yep. them scheduled to be released does that kind of lay the pressure off to because you know do i really need to post to instagram today you know i've got other things going on you know, if, if you leave, if you leave it three or four, this is what gets to me as well. Like is a lot of people tend to think that if they're not pushing something 24 hours, seven days a week, the algorithm is going to go, we're not interested anymore. And that's not <laughs> yeah. necessarily the case. So I think yeah. it's nice that you can have that three days off, say, and not, not internally worry about it yourself. Cause that's the thing. Nine times out of 10, we're the ones worrying about it. No one else is worrying about it. You know, if, if I'm like, oh, Dave's actually been quiet the last few days. I'll check his page. I mean, I wouldn't because I talk to you all the time anyway. But, you know, you might check his page. Oh, he hasn't posted. But your YouTube stuff's still going up. Your podcast's still out. You know what I mean? It's not like you fell off the face of the earth. Um, but I do feel that a lot of people are, are so... And like what you were saying about the coaching thing, it's funny you were saying that you were thinking that, you know, you have to have the world's best mindset because... Mm -hmm. what happens when you hire an accountant are they the best accountant in the world probably not when you hire a business coach are they elon musk no but you still hired them and if you look at that from a corporate sense right i could go for a job on monday i might not be the very best at whatever they're employing for 
but I'll just be the best of the applicants there. And I think sometimes you've, we do have to try and, I mean, I've done this myself. I've tried to relate what we're doing now to a corporate sense. So that if I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, well, you know, there's a million people out there better than me. I know a handful of them personally. It's then more of a case of, okay, but for in this instance, say, say if I put me and you in this analogy, right? So obviously you do yeah. a lot of, well, you do mindset. I'm trying to go down more of a sort of a business and branding sense. But say if we're both in the same thing, you could work for Pepsi and I could work for Coke. So if, if you're working for Pepsi and Coke can't hire you, but I am there as well, I might not be as good as you, but they'd still hire me because they still need a, a person for that position. And it's the same as what we're doing now. So we often sit here thinking, should I put this out? Because there's a million people out there that are probably better. Well, maybe, but you can still add value and teach people through what you're learning. And I'm, you said something to me actually like a few months ago. I think it was when I was kind of, it was, it was not long after the chat we had, um, and it was when I was kind of going, you know what, now nah, I'm, I'm doing this. this. I want to do it. I've wanted to do it for a long time. Now's the time I'm going to do it. You said to me, well, you said two things to me. There was the one that about being four pages ahead and not reading the whole mm -hmm. book, which, yeah. which, which makes sense. I mean, I take fitness advice from a friend that I know has been at the gym for the last 15 years of his life. Now, I know he's not, you know, like a, an overly qualified, you know, Olympic coach. But I know he still knows his stuff. That's one thing. Um, and then the other thing that you said to me. Um, let's just peek in. There we go. That's fixed. Um, the other thing you said to me, to be honest, has completely gone out my brain. <laughs> was it the one where I said that if you protect so yourself? Good. Was it that... the one where I said if you protect yourself from criticism, oh, you also protect I've got yourself it. from impact? No, I've got it. There we go. It's like as soon as you open your mouth, I get it. It was the relatable thing. So how like oh, okay. I might learn something and then help to teach that to someone else, but they might relate to me more than someone else. I suppose the whole, yeah. you know, you could look at Gary Vino or Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or whatever, people that are already at the top of the game. You know, if you're looking at a streaming sense, Ninja, YouTube, you know, PewDiePie, all that, all them kind of people that are at the top, you might be going, okay, the information you're giving me sounds legit, but I just, you know, like you don't feel it. You can't pinpoint what it is, but you just kind of feel it like, but you're already at the top. Like, how do I know this information is legit? Now, you might look at, for instance, how we do. I relate to you a hell of a lot better with things like setting my podcast up, thinking of moving towards YouTube. I relate and would probably listen to you more then I would listen to someone that's already at the top of the game that have probably got a team working for him anyway. Do you know what I mean? And I thought that was, that really stuck with me about being relatable because I think yeah. you've got to kind of be everyone, like you said before, it's the whole, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe and there might be people out there and there will be because we're in the content space. So, you know, it's going to happen. There's going to be people out there that see me or hear me and they're like, who's this idiot? 
like this guy's a right knob that's that's perfectly fine <laughs> if you don't like me that's cool i've got nothing against you you know what i mean if you want to check back in in six months time that's cool whatever um but then there might be a handful of people that are actually like now nah, you know what actually i, I kind of like this guy like he, he makes sense what he's saying you know they might then you know i'm gonna drop him a message and then we might get chatting do you know what i mean and i think that that's really stuck with me that has about being relatable yeah i mean it's it's really important to remember because ultimately the thing you're trying here's a question for anyone who's out there who's trying to create content the thing you're trying to teach are the people out there that don't know that it's like we often look as who else out there is teaching it but despite the fact that there are people out there teaching it already there are also still people out there that don't know that so like i often think about like any of the guests i've had on my podcast over the last three years and like so many people i'm like i'm buzzing to bring this person who's been on my radar for like a decade over to them you know like literally i had this guy called michael heppel on mine who wrote a book called um, flip it which was i actually you know used something within that when trying to figure out how to ask a loaner out on a date and um but you know 11 years ago so literally thanks to him i am now married um but but like i was totally and utterly like ex- psyched up and excited to bring him to people but it's like i'm bringing him to my audience of about you know on average the, the episode will have about 150 down downloads and of those 150 people most of them have never even come across him so like you know i've it's we can talk about things that like look even look in the fitness industry you know we meant because you mentioned um james smith the other day to me it's like calorie deficit's been talked about forever james smith's the person the person that people related to as if he invented it but he didn't i'm sure chris um who this chris had had realized this that there's a lot of people out there in the fitness industry they're trying to act as if they invented the bench press you know because it's like the whole idea of like you can still there are people out there like that don't know what compound moves are they don't know what a deadlift is how to deadlift properly how to squat properly they don't know like what muscles certain things use and this is all readily available and out there and but people will still come like you said about the guy i came and asked you about protein shakes it's like there are people out there teaching about protein and macronutrients everywhere but there are still people that don't know those people or don't know and they'd rather listen to it from you than from them but even beside that this will have happened to practically everyone that's listening you at some point in your life you'll have told one of your mates or your mom or whoever you'll have told them this same thing over and over and over again and um it just won't click and then they'll come to you one day and go oh you'll never believe what me, me mate sharon said or you'll never believe what the girl on Corrie said or you know i saw such and such from eastenders on instagram and she said do this and it'll be the exact same thing that you told that person and because they'll kind of almost reach to that person's authority but it's not they're not just doing that because sometimes it takes a number of times for it for a, a concept to stick and now if it was the other way around you could be the person who goes over and actually says that thing the seventh time and you're the reason it sticks and you could be the reason that that person then goes to their friend and says oh, i was listening to this guy mounty on the internet and he said you know you've just got to kind of like put your content out there and just got to kind of go for it and like his best mate could have been telling him exactly you've got the most memeable face ever i have <laughs> i best, am very memeable best, <laughs> i don't mean it his best mate could have told him that like a million times but that's the whole thing is that you can be the reason that and that's that's what i love so much about my job is that i i just i think i'm all right with, i'm pretty good with analogies you know like i'm i, I quite like putting things into concepts and exp- that's my, that's where i have the most fun is like how can i actually put this into an analogy um 
And then when a person goes, oh, I hadn't thought about it like that before. That's like my favorite moments because I'm teaching them something that in principle is not like, it's not groundbreaking or new, but I've found a way to say it that actually, that actually helps that person. And, you know, I'm often teaching people about meditation or mindfulness. Like those things are thousands of years old. Um, you know, the only one that I'm precious about for me is the whole slingshots and boomerangs thing, because that was like, you know, it's like my little baby. I made that up. And if anyone ever wants to do it, I want them to mention me. That's my, that's my only thing I consider to be intellectual property. Outside that, I've stolen from everybody else. Trademarking the boomerang. Um, well, I mean, you are right. Like the protein shake thing, just for, for people listening. Um, there's obviously information about protein shakes. There's all the fitness advice on there's, there's YouTube, internet, blogs. There's experts everywhere. Um, and this was a guy that I used to work with. I mean, we're 2020, so we're probably like, what, five years ago? We haven't spoke since. Um, so, it's, you know, it's not like it was, you know, passing conversation between mates. It was someone I'd worked with a while ago. And, yeah, he, he dropped into my DMs on, on Instagram. And uh, it was just a case of... You know, like, oh, I've been going to the gym. Uh, I want to put, like, you know, a bit of extra weight on and build my muscles. What protein shake do I get? And my response to that was, like, well, well, well firstly, like, why do you feel you need a protein shake? How much protein are you eating? Do you even track what, you, what your intake is? Um, and this is the thing. At first, you know, I'd probably have a laugh and a joke being, like, you know, t to me, that's common sense. But like you said, common sense isn't always that common. So, yeah. so then when I had a conversation with him and we, and we spoke about it, afterwards, I was kind of like, that was weird. And then it wasn't until recently I've thought back to that example and thought he had a million more educated people to ask in the world with the beautiful internet. Yet he came to me and I hadn't spoke yeah. to him for like four or five years and he still... He felt to ask me and um, yeah, that, that was, it was both weird and humbling at the same time. Cause it was like, I felt that I was, I was able to help him and whether or not he knew where to look. Sometimes people are confused because you know, there's a, there's a sales technique with, with people that um, do things like fitness and you know, nutrients and all this sort of stuff. It works in other industries as well is they don't go for an in-between. So it's, it's one end or it's one extreme or the other. It, it's yeah. either you know eat all the carbs don't eat any fat or it's no that's wrong eat all the fats no carbs if there's never an in between and that's why i think people struggle so much with a balanced diet is because there's so many people out there saying nope keto is better nope this is better or this is better um and i think maybe back to james smith i think that's why it kind of it, it has exploded for him because he's made it so simple and accessible so that he can aim and for a market that isn't knowledgeable about all this stuff, there's a million nutrients out there in the world. No one knows what half of the ingredients on the back of the packet even mean. Yeah. I think I think that's another thing. And um, I do love that kind of being relatable. Because like you said, you know, you teach things, you know, that are thousands of years old. But like you said, that guy coming on your podcast, he might come to 150, he, he could come to five people, five downloads. But if those five people had no idea who he was, yeah, that's still success right i just i mean i find that mad because i do it sometimes i mean it's, it's like when i came to you and um and, and alan and stuff and i was like you guys need to see this devin nash dude man like this guy he's on another <laughs> level 
you might not have come across him if I hadn't have mentioned it. I might not have come across him if I wasn't watching Harry Seller because the only reason I found him was because they did um, like a, I don't know if they did a podcast or just an interview. I think they just did an interview together on, on Twitch. So for anyone listening to this on Spotify and iTunes, I'm just going to pop in the chat because there's been a very good comment uh, from Smoke Official um, that says, the moment I started giving less of a shit about posting and likes and stuff like that, which is something both Dave and particularly Mountie helped convince me. It's made my life much happier. I think that kind of ties into the self-doubt part as well. Uh, I don't know if you struggle this with this in the past, Dave, um, but like if you feel that you might put out something that you think is the most valuable piece of information <laughs> and you might think, you know what? Oh my God, this is, this is amazing. This is going to help so many people. Like this has been such an issue that people aren't realizing what the solution is. I'm going to get it out there. And then boom, your last selfie had 25 likes. This one's got three. And then yeah. you sit there and you're like, oh, and then you start questioning yourself. Like, was I wrong? Is that information actually not good? But then this is why we spoke when we did the test um, the other week for the podcast was social media to an extent is still a game. It does work off algorithms, you know, different platforms are for different things like Twitter. It's very fast. It's impulse. It's, you know, you put a tweet out, someone might see it within 15 minutes. If they don't, it's gone forever. Instagram's a very, it's a very <laughs> visual platform. So if you just, you know, you could slap a paragraph of a book on that no one's going to look at that because it looks like it's a whole page of a book no one's going to read it but then it, there's things that you can do like you know a bright graphic or you could slap your face on a, a big bright background with a few words go into it in the caption and people are more likely to read what it's about so my question to you is how do you see that like when you put out a really important bit of content and it might not do as well as you thought it would mm-hmm where do you where do you go from there like what's your thought process after that uh you you know this is one of my least favorite things i mean i'm okay i'm a lot better with it now but um when i did that social experiment early in the year where i spent it basically for, for anyone who's like never heard me talk about this before um which could be a lot of you i did this little social experiment earlier in the year after spending i did 30 straight days where i did a big chunky sort of eight to 10 minute video every single day without fail um, called the month of mindset. And it was 30 different topics, a different video every single day. The value in that month, as far as what I'm giving, what, you know, is, is ridiculous. It's um, if it, that's like, that's the type of stuff that you'd get in one of those really, really highly paid groups. And because it's free, um, often people see um, things that are actually priceless as worthless. So, um, so despite that, so after that, I was like, I was exha exhausted off the end of that month because I thought to myself, right, it was the beginning of lockdown. I'm like, I am going to go all in and give people as much value as humanly possible. But there's, and so what I did the following week was I'm like, right, okay, I'm going to alternate between really just banal easy to make content. So I put an empty page in my notebook up as a picture. And that's what, and I just put, and the caption was, can't wait to see what this day holds, you know, empty page or whatever. Um, maybe it was liked by a bunch of Mumford and some fans that saw a white blank page, you know, but basically I put that up and it got like 96 likes or something ridiculous. And then at the end of the day, I put up a time-lapse video of all the stuff I'd done on like on Illustrator that day and created cartoon characters and all the rest of it. And it got like 14 likes or something. 
and I'm like, that's interesting. People are way more people are way more interested in the pos- the prospect of a of an empty page rather than the actual outcome of the day. However, over the course of the week, the reason I did this experiment was just to kind of test one thing, and in the end, I came to the conclusion that it's not about it's not about how long you spend creating it, um, especially not on Instagram. It's not about how much effort you put into it or anything like that. It's about how quickly consumable it is to the person at the other end. And um, one of my, I used to have this conversation years ago, and I should have thought back to this, but one of my friends um, was an artist, well, still is an artist. He's a very good artist, actually. Um, and his stuff, when he puts it up on Instagram, because it's a very visual um, medium, it's like people hit like straight away. But at the same time, like they were talking years back here, like, I was in a band and we were putting things up on SoundCloud and with music, people have to commit to like five whole minutes before they decide whether they like it or not. People have to commit to videos like five minutes, 10 minutes. Like those ones that I said that I put up that were eight to 10 minutes. Well, a person's got to watch all 10 minutes of it before they make a decision that they like it. Cause you know, heaven forbid that in at minute seven, I just jump out with a bunch of like homophobia or something. And then they've hit like on that. And then someone, <laughs> you know, whatever we need to have checked and vetted the whole thing. And it's not about whether or not the, the content was easy or difficult to make. It's whether it's easy or difficult to consume. A person needs to make a very split second decision about whether they like that or not of outside of that it's loyalty you know people there'll be people that'll just like everything you do there'll be people that generally will scroll past everything you do that exists um and it is a bit it is a bit messy it's like but for people out there the, the most important thing i've ever kind of written on all of this is the idea that checking your social media statistics is very akin to how a person with body dysmorphia would check the check the numbers and and things on the scales or they check themselves in the mirror the more if you're getting an emotional response from those things if someone's trying to lose weight and they look at the the number on the scales and they see a data point and it's just it's gone up it's gone down it stayed the same i don't have an emotional reaction to this then you're you're probably cool and you'll probably have a really successful weight loss journey the second you get emotional about that and if it's not gone in the direction you do that it changes your behavior to either go in the opposite direction and binge or to carry on with it and actually go you know what i'm going to starve myself even more or i'm going to get out there and i'm going to run an extra 10 miles today because i absolutely categorically need those things i i lived through that kind of behavior when i was losing weight and i worked with tons of people with that kind of behavior and um and i started realizing that it's the same with social media is that as Mounty said, you kind of need to be like it, treat it like a game. But really, I would say two different things: separate the business side of social media. If you're trying to grow, it's if you're trying to grow social media for your personal sense rather than the business sense, then I would sit back and say, why? Ask yourself, why is it important to me that this grows? Um, what you know, because because that's the whole thing is that if your value is going to be wrapped up in those numbers, if your idea of how good you look on a Friday night is wrapped up on how many people hit like on you in your red dress, which is basically what I do every Friday night. Um, then you're going to, you're going to always kind of feel less because we've got this thing called negativity bias, which means that if one person comments on that saying, Oh, it's a really nice dress, but I'm not sure red's your color. We're going to take that. And that's going to undo the 150 likes that you may have already got on that image. But if you're doing it from a business point of view, 
you need to separate the fact that the business side of it, the numbers, yes, you do need to grow your social media from a business point of view, but you need, you, that's not an emotional thing. You know, it's like, we've got to like try and separate that. It's like if the person who was running a business before social media was like, well, what's our return on our ads? You know, like if that number went down, would they feel that their self-worth went down? Would they be bringing the marketing people in and telling them that they're worthless individuals because those numbers have gone down or would they try a different approach? Um, so it's like separating those two things because ultimately if you start feeling like your self-worth is wrapped up in your numbers, what you'll end up doing is checking them more and more and more and more regularly. And it's like opening a fridge that's got no, that's got no nutritious food in it and then going back to it five minutes later and trying to find something worthwhile eating. It's like, you're not going to find anything that, unless you, so, while you're gone, like someone's done something and you get, and you get, um, and you go viral or whatever. Um, then you'll, but then the problem then becomes, and like we've talked about this both for ourselves and with a few people that I know are in the chat right now, is even if you do get that viral thing, if it is an emotional thing and not a data thing, then the next time you post a video and it doesn't do as well as that, suddenly your goalposts have moved now. So for me, um, Alan talked about this on his most recent video, and I didn't realize that his, his podcast got a thousand downloads on episode one. I'm like, I've not had a thousand, I've had 570 is the most I've had on one in three years. And I was like, a thousand. And then suddenly we've got a comparison. It's like, I, you know, it's like we've got a comparison point there. And um, as I said to, like I've said this to Smoke before now, it's like because Smoke hit really high figures when he first came in, then they dropped a little bit and now they're going back up again. But I had the same thing with the podcast. It's like, thankfully, I'm actually grateful that for the first six months in the podcast, it was a really slow growth. But in month seven in my podcast, it tripled. Now, like I just, and then, and then month eight, it dropped back down to about two thirds of that. But that's still way more than it was before then. But we only compare to our best. So it's like suddenly this isn't as good as our best was. This month isn't as good as our best month was. But still, looking at it, it's actually better than we've. It's better than we ever hoped for because we've seen that success. Even when we do get the success, we get vulnerable because we only get hooked on the success. So yeah, it is about saying right, okay, it's a data point, separating the the, the data from the emotional side of it. Because if you're finding that you're worth, you feel worthless when you're looking at those numbers. You need to stop looking at those numbers for a while because you are worth so much more than those numbers and they actually have no indication about what you're worth, which I'll make one more point. I know I'm off on one at the minute, but um, this is why I'm actually, I really dislike the piece of advice that the, the best content will, will rise to the top. I don't think that to be true. Um, like if like, I, and I know so many people who are at the top say the same thing, but I personally believe that the, at first, the best distributed content will rise to the top. And I think a crappy piece of content that is well distributed, as long as it gets in front of enough eyes, can make a person get that early piece of success. So then they've got more eyes watching them the next time around that they post something and it can make some, and then, then that, and if that person, hopefully their content will go up, but there is, there's many people out there that actually do well off rubbish content. And there's also many people out there with really fantastic content that don't do well because their distribution's not right. Whether that is they're afraid to tell people about it, whether that's they don't do their networking correctly, whether that is just they've not got that lucky break where someone really big retweets them. We all know that someone can actually get low-key Twitter famous off the most random of things. So it's not, it's not always about the quality. Once distribution's normalized, it becomes very much about the quality. Two people with the exact same distribution, the higher quality one 
should in theory do the best, but it doesn't always work like that. And just because your content's not doing well, doesn't mean it's not valuable. So many knowledge bombs, <clears throat> right? So where I want to get at from that is, is my solution to the, the numbers thing, because like you said, it, the internet's great because it, it gives us a lot of opportunities. We're allowed to, you know, we're unable to go out there and create this content in the first place and distribute it, even if it's to one person, which you probably wouldn't be able to do that unless you're going to try and get an advert on TV uh, via internet. But um, like you said, that, that you can have the moments where if one thing does go viral or does go really well and then it drops, you instantly start feeling bad and you start looking internally for the issues and that's just not the case yeah. like you said it could literally just be someone was what happened to stumble upon it at that exact moment of the day hit retweet or yeah. added it to the story on instagram it could be it could be anything and um my solution to that i think is over a period of time just look at the averages so that mm. if say in, in month one We'll extend that. Say in quarter one, for the first three months, January, February, March, you're looking and it's been steady growth. It, you know, it's been going up 10% or something every, every month. Awesome. You're growing. If the second quarter, you have something that just hits, something goes, something goes viral, something yep. just goes mad, right? So, you, so you'll have a big spike. But if you're looking at that over a 90-day period, if that spike is two weeks in, but then goes back to where you were. If the average over that quarter, even if it's 10% higher than the first quarter, you're still growing. So what you'll do is yeah. the, very, the day after you've gone viral or the next piece of content you could put out or even for the next week or 10 days, you'll still feel bad because, oh, well, this hasn't gone viral and this hasn't mm -hmm. gone viral. But then the end of the 90 days, you go, actually, oh, wow, um, I have actually gained so many followers or so many subscribers and you know it, it, it is slowly going up my growth is still happening and i think it, that's sometimes how you have to look at it especially for things like streaming because like you said it's the commitment people have to make i mean obviously yeah. anyone that's in chat right now anyone that's listening to this on any podcast platform this that this ends up on i am hugely thankful that you're taking time out of your day to listen to this that's a huge commitment and that's, yeah. that's why I'm so, that it's not, you know, you're not just scrolling past like a 15 second video on Instagram. This is most likely to be touching on like an hour. So that, that's, that's a long time for someone to commit to, especially if you one you know, if you're new and you don't know who this person is, you don't even know if you like them, you don't know, you know, you might not know who the guest is. Do, am I going to want to listen to this? You, you don't know what the content's about, things like that. There's so many other external factors to you putting out your content that we don't address. All we look at is, is the content good? Am I happy with it? And that's it. Maybe does it look good? That, that might be a third option. But other than that, we don't then go, okay, so when are we posting it? Oh, you're posting it on like a, a Sunday night when it's a bank holiday Monday in the UK. Every, obviously not COVID, but everyone's gone out. Any other time other than COVID, everyone's out on a bank holiday. If you, yeah. Yeah, if you were to post a, a YouTube video on a Sunday afternoon and it's bank holiday Monday, Sunday afternoon, every man and his dog's at the pub, even if they're not on a night out, they're at the pub. By the time they get home, they're probably tired. They want to eat and go to bed. 
They don't, do you know what I mean? And if they're out and they're getting that notification on their phone, they're going to swipe it off because they're out, they're busy. You might not see that. So I think there's things like that as well. That's just, they're just things that we, we can't control. So I think if you look over time, what might happen is if you then post a video on a Tuesday or you stream on a Wednesday or Thursday, they might, oh, hang on. I forgot that guy wrote a video out. They might go back and rewatch it. You're not then tallying that up because obviously there's no way we can do. You know, there's no way we can tell, you know, Brenda skipped my notification, but she's back on Thursday. But yeah, I do think, especially with like streamers who go, oh, well, there's no one coming to view me or there's nothing happening. Yes, because we can't just drop into a stream and instantly see your personality or instantly see what we're going to get from 10 seconds. That, that's yeah. why things like YouTube and other platforms are so important because they're shorter clips that, like you said, are uh, easier and faster to consume because then they go, oh, I've, seen, oh, I've seen this guy pop up a few times. I might, uh, I might go over. You, know, you also have no idea whose radar you're on. Like... Um... There's a guy, uh, mental health Matt, who like I, I I went around looking for all sorts of people who um who stream about mental health when I first started, and it's it's you know I didn't find so many because you go and look in the mental health hashtag, and quite frankly, there's a bunch of people in there that are using it without any mental health content whatsoever. But like it's a it's um it's like when I've I've been introduced into a few people when I'm asking around about um you know the longer events that we're doing like so the, the, those ones where i'm having multiple streamers on as an interview and it's like i'm hearing like people go yeah they're, they're, oh, I've, I've met like an, a mod from someone's discord and they're like oh yeah i'll introduce you to them and then they'll they'll i've got literally had one re message me back recently there's a woman m m anxiety anxiety um big big american sort of anxiety based mental health based streamer and when the mod came back and she was just like, oh yeah, she's already heard about you. She'd love to connect. And, you know, obviously me and my bloody weird, like, uh, whatchamacallit, weird fanboying around Ashney Christ. It's like when she'd already heard about me and it's just like, you've gotten, like, you assume that like, no, like no one knows about you, but it's just, the thing is, there's the number of people that actually reach out to tell you that they know you know about you or the number of people that aren't like, you've got lurkers, you've got, it's not just in Twitch chat. You've got lurkers on social media. You've got lurkers that, um, that are aware of your existence, but they've just not necessarily reached out yet. And it's human nature to assume that in the absence of those comments, no one's thinking it. But that's the whole thing is like, we also think that such and such thinks badly about us. We'll think negatively about that as well. We'll think this person thinks badly about me or this person thinks badly about me. You, you know, out there, there's a ton of people thinking really good things about you right now that you've got no idea about. 100%. Um, that, I mean, I do... I do actually know who they are. Uh, there is actually one person that's on my radar. Pretty sure you might follow him as well. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing he won't listen to this, but uh, Andrew Ellis, which is oh yeah, the the most the loudest, most positive Scottish guy I've ever heard in my life. Like, if I'm like, because he, he often streams in the day, so obviously a lot of the time I tend to to miss it. Um, yeah, and I caught him doing some Twitter audits uh, on the other day i think it was on thursday i think um so i jumped in and um and, and a lot of it see this is the thing especially on twitch and i think people that lurk on twitch and don't say anything are unsung heroes for this exact reason because often i go in and i might not chat i might not pop up you know what i mean i might not feel i might be doing other things whilst listening to you i might 
you know, like there's other people chatting, I might not kind of come in. And then you can be there for like an hour and then say something. And they're like, oh, welcome in. Like, I didn't even know you were here. And I was like, yeah, I've been here for like an hour. You know, and like... You do that on mine all the time. I, I do, I do. I, yeah, I just like hosting you because my face gets put on your screen. I love you. Uh, poggers. But, um, so, and yeah, and uh, I mean, I've been, again, the same thing. I've been, I've been watching Andrew for a long time. Um, like for a fair, I say a long time, fair few weeks. Um, I think I followed him on Twitter first. Yeah, same. Obviously, you know, I did my research. I stalked him on Instagram. Like, I didn't follow him. I stalked him, checked him out. But, you know, yeah, okay, he's he's consistent across all social media. He's the same person. He's not, like, you know, trying to push certain things on Twitter and then he's an absolute bell on Instagram. Like, he, he, he's good everywhere. So I was like, okay, cool. And then that's what happens because I like to kind of, I like to check people out. So then you'll go into the streams or you'll watch their YouTube uh, I ended up on Ali OG's channel the other day, found out he did an interview with Andy as well. So I was like, oh, I'll watch this. And then you're lurking in Ali OG's channel. And then from from the creator's perspective, you you have no idea this is happening. You don't know. I need to hire you as my researcher. Assistant. <laughs> <laughs> I do enough for my own. Um, but yeah. Well, just, so pass me, just, just send, sell me all your second on data. It's... <laughs> Pretty sure that's illegal. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and that's, I mean, to be fair, me and you kind of end up connecting with the same people anyway. I mean, the amount of times I've gone, oh man, like this woman looks absolutely amazing, followed by Mindset by Dave. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I found this other guy. This, this guy looks awesome, followed by Mindset by Dave. Okay, you know what? Forget Instagram. I want to go over to Twitter. Oh, look, I found this awesome thing that's going on, followed by Mindset by Dave. I'm like, Dave's everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> He's everywhere. I was just um, looked at the schedule for the for for my stream next week because you and Andrew are both on my stream next week, but you've got you've got someone else in between you. So I would have I would have let you overlap and done an int- an int- an intro on air on Zoom if if otherwise. My I'll, I'll double check the one that's in between you because she's a little bit she's been a little bit um a little bit flaky so far and she hasn't even sent me the image to kind of although I need a new one off you to um to put out for the promo stuff. But yeah, if that if if I can move you to the one to that slot and then I'll. Uh, I'll introduce you and Andrew. That would be awesome. I mean, how awkward would that be if it's like, yeah, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been lurking you for a long time. Well, you don't, uh, you don't have to say it like that. <laughs> just, just say a big fan of your content. Just do what the Mister Penpro approach and just go highlight the message and just go, "Hi, Andy, big fan. Give shout out." <laughs> yeah, true. Could do that, I guess. Um, yeah, I do love that. Um, yeah, I think it is just bad. It's just, but I love this, like, and I'm sure a lot of content creators do. Like, as much as we have a lot of issues, you know, there's a lot of things to consider. You know, things like, you know, streaming is sore as you press a go live button and you make money. That's that's that that is definitely not the case. You, you know, yeah. you, you create a YouTube channel. All you're doing is you know filming yourself talking. That's it. Again, that that's definitely not the case. I mean video editing and everything all the equipment you have to do the setup alone and then you on top of that you've got thumbnails algorithms etc it's very difficult this day and age to stand out online Mm. but i do find that especially things like statistics and numbers like i just i don't know maybe it's because i'm just a big nerd but i love it like i love that stuff um we have had a question just come in 
Uh, question for Dave. This is from Smoke. How do you tell the difference if you are depressed or just low and in a bad mood? On the contrary to that, if you're feeling low, how long would you feel low before you consider depression or a chemical imbalance? Um, they're two completely different feelings. So, like, I can be hangry. <laughs> I get hangry. I'm human. Uh, but depression, depression, I feel in my stomach as well as my head. Uh, low mood, I don't feel in my stomach. So depression's on, like, recently it's like, it's like a, it's like there's a kettlebell or something tied to the bottom of my stomach, dragging it down when I'm depressed. Um, difference in terms of, so when I'm in a low mood as well, I actually learned the term for this the other day. It's called anhedonia. And when I'm, when I'm in a low mood, I can still think, oh yeah, well, I've got this to look forward to and I've got that to look forward to and stuff. But when I'm depressed, I stop looking forward to things. So I can be in a depression like I recognize that I'm in a depression moments into it now, I would say. I don't necessarily always see them coming, but I do notice it go moments into it because it's like, and now I have to, I have to logically tell myself, you know, you've got things to look forward to, but I don't feel that on an emotional level. So like I was, and well, I'm actually, I'm depressed. Well, I don't know. I don't feel depressed right now, but like I was depressed yesterday. Um, and again, I woke up this morning depressed. I went out to try and go for a run this morning to clear my head. I got 0.5 miles away from the house. And I was just like, I just can't today. Came back, spent three hours in bed, um, you know, basically. And then and then I had, a, I had a seminar to give at 1 p.m. And I basically just said to the host, I'm like, I hope this is okay. So because I feel rough. Um, but um, there's, I've got a whole lot of thoughts going on about whether or not it is right to put the mask on or not. I'm going to, there'll be a piece of content coming on that soon. But um, they do feel completely different. So it's, it's, it's down to the how the feeling is like, you know, there's low mood. I can be low mood. I can be irritable, but depression feels completely different. As for how long, um, as for how long, I mean, I don't like how long before. Yeah, as I say, I'll probably almost say, well, this is depression. And it's funny because I suppose that we're out in the world. It's like a depression is a persistent low mood. Clinically, a depression is a persistent low mood lasting for three or more days, I believe, um, is what the actual clinical definition of a depression is. So arguably, I've not been depressed this weekend. I've just had a low mood. But as I say, they are two different feelings. They're not the same feeling. I do find as well, again, this is, it might not be for everybody, but for me, if it's a low mood, I can usually nine times out of 10 pinpoint what the reason was. Like if I'm feeling tired, if I'm just, I'm fed up, if something's annoyed me, do you know what I mean? Like I can usually pinpoint what it is. I find with depression, it lasts longer. You can go to sleep, wake up the next day and still feel the same which yeah. I don't really think happens with the mood because I think if you're in a low mood or you just, you know, if you're tired and you go to sleep, then obviously you're not tired anymore. If, if, you, if you feel, like you said, it's all about the feeling, I think. It's very difficult to explain, but I think if you're like annoyed and you go to sleep, chances are your brain's going to forget you're annoyed when you wake up. So you're going to wake up and then whatever you do within that first few minutes of getting up determines what mood you're in when you get up. Yeah, obviously, if you hit that snooze button and then smash your phone on the floor and crack the screen, you're probably going to be annoyed again. <laughs> if you get up, you know, turns out it's really sunny outside, you wake up to an amazing, you know, good morning text, whatever, you're in a good mood, right? I don't feel that's the same with depression. I feel like depression, you can't always pinpoint why you feel like that. Like, especially when there's positive things happening, that's the one thing for me, is if there's stuff going on and it's good, 
and I've got no reason to be a, in a low mood. That's when I'm like, hang on a minute, why am I fi- why am I feeling this way? Like, and then like like you just said, if it's over a period of a few days, and you know other things start to decline, so you will start to, you know, struggle to get out of bed. You won't enjoy your anything if you enjoy gaming, playing guitar, doing artwork, doing things like that. You'll do them and be like, "Ugh, why am I doing this?" And yeah, I do feel that's kind of the separation for me. I think if just again, it's the same. It's the same as I guess with the rule of averages. It's kind of the best thing you can do is monitor it over that few days, and that's probably like the best thing to do. And again, like it all comes to me personally. It all comes down to being self-aware enough to actually step back and see what's happening. Because obviously the first time, which what I assume was the first time I had depression, I didn't even know that's what it was. I just, again, I just thought it was just, ah, I'm always stressed. I'm always in a bad mood because of work. I'm always tired. That's what I just assumed it was until I realized, surely you can't be in a bad mood for three months. <laughs> that's <laughs> a long mood, that is. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that, that's what I'd kind of say. Like for me personally, my triggers are, if I'm struggling to get out of bed and I know I'm not tired, if I'm lying in bed and I know 100% I'm not tired, but I still don't want to get up and I'm not thinking about anything I have to do in the day, that's one trigger. Um, the other one is is not being bothered to shave. I don't know why that's, I don't know why, but it's like, yeah, let's just grow a beard. Um, that's what I've been doing. And the other thing is not being excited about ordering yourself pizza. That sounds really stupid, right? But I can do that. I can sit there and you know what's going to cheer me up? Pizza. I'll order pizza and I'll order it and not feel anything and it'll turn up and I'll eat it and it'll be like, just like anything else. And I love, I absolutely love pizza. But yeah, those, those are my three triggers. There you go. Three insights to uh, lovely me. Um. So I am kind of conscious that we're eating into your uh, live stream time. Um, obviously, links will all be in the description of the podcast anyway. Um, for anyone listening on Spotify or iTunes, do you want to just uh, let them know where they can find more of your sexy face? Yeah, Mindset by Dave everywhere. Twitch.tv slash Mindset by Dave, YouTube.com slash Mindset by Dave, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Actually, that's Dave Cottrell on there, but hey-ho, um, but I hate LinkedIn. Um, yeah, so basically Mindset by Dave everywhere. And, the, and that, then the podcast is Master the Mind, Master Anything. Awesome. So there you go. Mindset by Dave, absolutely everywhere. Um, of course, <laughs> <laughs> for those listening, um, on Spotify or iTunes, if you do want to follow us uh, on Instagram or Twitter, it will be at the Manpad UK. Um, I'll be announcing when we're getting new episodes up and running. There'll also be a little bit of uh, bite-sized content on there for you as well. Um, Dave, it has been an absolute pleasure, and I love you to bits. And I am guess it's time to kick you off. Um, don't you? Well, you can kick me off so I can type all my tags and stuff. Over I wouldn't say raid me just yet because uh, because my stream's not ready. <laughs> awesome, right? So the podcast is coming to an end. I'm going to hit stop recording, and then I will catch up with chat uh, for ten minutes before we hit you with a lovely raid. So again, anyone listening to the podcast after this, uh, we do stream this on Twitch, Twitch.tv forward slash Mounty underscore H twenty one. If you want to also find Dave, he streams on Tuesday daytimes and Sunday evenings. 
Yep. Uh, that is twitch.tv forward slash mindset by Dave. And yeah, Correct. I'll, I'll uh, catch you in the next one.